0: Promise Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak-willed person I am. I don't regret this love. I'm a wonderful person. Six days later. did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, this is my son the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the son of man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. The Transfiguration gives focus to uh, help us see basically three forms of God that we imagine exist. And the majority of the world, and I say the majority of the world, I I mean that includes you, that includes me, that includes uh, our family, friends, neighbors, dentist, bartender, mechanic, uh, bellboy, whatever. If they know God at all, they they know him actually in one of two ways of these three, mostly. uh, And that's either Moses or Elijah. Now, Pastor Chris and I talk about the Moses God quite a lot with you. That's the law as the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. That is uh, the checklist. That's this, uh, do this and you will live, right? And uh, it's something to aspire to for many of us. Oftentimes, God then just ends up on the shelf next to Dr. Phil in the self-help section of, if I just make this list, it'll be okay. And what usually comes from that, and Pastor Chris and I hear this quite a lot, is, "Well, I've never really done anything bad." Oftentimes, uh, and the good of it is that uh, the law comes to us and says that there's an eternal law that God has spoken to us from all eternity, and He's brought some expectations, some understandings. In the in the Hebrew, it doesn't; it's not read as the Ten Commandments. It's read as ten words, ten things that are spoken by God to us, right? And so that's good. We kind of know, well, God has something to say to us. Here's a list, right? The bad part is, is that uh, either one, we can assume that we can be our own savior, right? Well, I've never murdered anybody. I'm good. I've really wanted to, but I never have, right? (laughs) Wives, I'm speaking to you. Husbands, you mostly know that you're lucky that she doesn't use the pillow in your sleep sometimes, right? I, I just know that because I'm thankful my wife hasn't killed me more often than not. Um, The other side, though, is, right, the never measuring up, the seeing that list and never making it, right? Or am I the only one? I guess I'm the only one. I don't know. I think about uh, you go online on TikTok or, or Instagram or whatever, and you see the guys who during COVID started to come up with all these challenges for them to do. Uh, like one of the ones that I that I saw, that I was reminded of that I've only seen like 10 billion times, is they, they taped a, a solo cup to a dart, and they had the dartboard on the floor, and one of them threw the dart with the solo cup with the goal of it landing in the bullseye, and the other one shipped a golf ball, and the hope was that it would land in the bullseye, and then the golf ball would land in the cup. And they just show them doing that, right? They don't show the 10 billion times that they missed, right? The law comes to us, and it will tell us, well there's this list and you're not doing a great job of it because we can sit here and go, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've never stolen anything of great or great value. I haven't cheated on my wife. Um, I never tell any lies that are really, really that bad. Um, but then you get to the coveting one, right? And then all you have to do is get to Christmas and you go, huh, Okay. I really, or, Oh, how come they get the Corvette and I don't, right? Um, the other voice, Elijah voice, is one that we don't talk about that much. This is the condemnation voice. This is the thus saith the Lord voice. The picture of God in this thus saith the Lord way, who uh, comes to you and says, you are not being a good Moses. Speaks it into your ears, is this picture of, of this God who only sees your sin. And that's it, and wants to condemn you. And the problem with this voice is that usually it enters our mouth and opens our eyes to only see the sins of others and not our own, right? Oh, at least I'm not them. I've talked about that before. That's this Elijah voice, this thus saith the Lord voice, where we start to make ourselves better than others because we go, well, they're that way. I'm not that way. So I must be more holy than them. And so we start to Condemn each other, even though we're not going to, you know, wear the, the, the camel's hair robe and, and, and stuff like that, like John the Baptist. Uh, we, we get that voice, we get that image of God, and we use it upon one another. The, the good of this voice is that that's where interventions come, right? If you don't stop such and such, you're going to die. That's a good way of using it. You know, this calling out, this turning people back to God, like John the Baptist where he sees a lot of fruit from that. The bad is the fact that it's sin-focused, it's condemnation-focused, it's disaster-focused, it's focused on, you better get better or else. And this leads to eventually uh, divisions, struggles, fears, and even hatred, both of God and the church, because it's a voice often heard by people. Well, God knows this, and so at the transfiguration, Christ is manifested in in all his glory as the only Son of the Father. And who else shows up? Moses and Elijah, right? And Peter sees this, and he wants to build a shrine. He wants to build a temple. He wants to build a tabernacle. He wants to build tents. Not only for Jesus, but also for who? Moses and Elijah. Elijah. Peter's there holding on to the old ways. He wants to return to the old ways. I always have this picture of him. He he imagines the Greek pantheon of gods. He he imagines a new Mount Olympus, right? That's where the gods are. Just go up there. And unfortunately, we're putting Moses and Elijah on equal footing with Jesus. And so what does God do? He descends in the cloud and he speaks and says, no, you listen to one person and one person only, and that is the Sunday school answer, Jesus. Jesus. And their eyes are opened, and all they see is Jesus. At the Transfiguration, it is there that the voice and the image of Moses and Elijah are silenced, are set aside, so that what Jesus says and who He is for you becomes the focus, the thing that you see? My first call in the ELCA was a to a two-point parish in northern Minnesota. Um, The the main congregation was Bethany Lutheran Church in Nevis. Um, And uh, in 2009, most of you know this, some of you don't, uh, those of you who've been here long enough, uh, the ELCA had some decisions made at a national gathering around things dealing with LGBT clergy and same-sex marriage, voting in the affirmative of of holding those things as as positive. Um, And so just like you, I think even here, 2011, Bethany had a vote of whether they were going to stay in the ELCA or they were going to leave. The difference is, is that you were lucky because, if I remember correctly, you had like 90-something percent that said, we're going to leave and we're going to join the LCMC. Uh, Bethany was not so lucky. You had to reach, I believe, as a 60% threshold. They got 59%. And so they stayed in the ELCA. But guess what happened? 59% of the church left. A church of 300 and something people on a given Sunday, almost two-thirds of the church said, we're going to go start our own church, which they did. They started an LCMC congregation just down the highway. It's pastored by my best friend, Tim. Hi, Tim, if you're watching. I know you're not because you're working. Um, But they started their own congregation. This vote, this division, this decision led to a split in the church, but it wasn't just a split in the church. Mind you, this was a town of 350 people. It led to a split in families. At my church, I had parents who stayed and children that left and children that stayed and parents that left. Uncles and aunts that stayed or left. Even, even couples that, well, we'll go to this church this Sunday, but then we'll go to this church this Sunday. Because one wanted to stay and one wanted to leave. Plus friendships of decades. I'm talking 50, 60, 70 years fractured. Fractured and broken because of these decisions, leading to, to divisions and animosity and anger and hatred in a little town of 350 people. Um, and when I look back on it, there were three Elijah voices, three images of this Elijah God that were speaking. One of them was having issues with same-sex marriage and LGBT clergy and sexuality in general and, and looking at the scriptures and, and, and par- particular portions of what God has to say about biblical marriage and, 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 um, and all of those things and saying, this is not right. We, we can't be going down this road. We need to honor God. We need to honor Christ. We, we can't be doing those things. And then the second voice, the second Elijah saying they're going, but no, we're supposed to love one another. How can we condemn certain people and all of these things that you're not being very loving, condemning them because of, because of that? And then the third voice, which I always found interesting was this voice of, how dare you break up my family? Because I had people in my church who definitely didn't agree with the direction the ELCA was going, but they stayed because it was their family. And they looked at the division and they said, how dare you do this to my church, to my people? All these voices wanting a perfect church in a particular way, and none of them were getting it. And so I get brought in basically on on the heels of of another pastor who who helped sort of nurse their wounds. I'm brought in to bring Jesus back into things and help, help this congregation who's now less than half the size to realize that God still has a calling for them in their community, even through all these, these divisions. And, and even with that, still there was this, there was this condemning voice happening uh, between, between these congregations, this infighting, um, even to the point that some people didn't even go to the other church. They just left church, period. Well, I have to introduce you to a congregant there named Scotty, who um, child of the congregation, born in the area, baptized, confirmed in that church. It was his church. He was a great musician, fantastic musician. His band, Legend of Gert, uh, you can look them up on YouTube. It's named after his, his basset hound named Gertrude. Um, phenomenal. You look him up on YouTube. Great music. Um, and he loved everybody. But Scotty had his demons, he had mental health issues, anxiety, and depression that he'd had since he was a child, um, which led to addiction problems, which led to rehab. Um, Then around 2018, I spent quite a bit of time walking with him. I visited him in rehab three or four times. I remember getting a phone call. He was living with his parents now after some some failed relationships, and he calls me at 10 o'clock at night saying, Pastor, there's a demon at the end of my bed. Please come and help me. It's my first attempted exorcism. I still to this day don't know if it worked. Um, and the funny thing is, is that he would come to church and his church would, would love him, put, a, put their arms around him. They'd sit and want to know what's going on. And he wouldn't believe them because he looked at all the division and all the issues because he was one of the ones that kind of set the church aside after the split. And the problem was, was for him, He couldn't believe what the church would have to say to him of, God loves you, you're loved by us. Instead, the voice that he heard all the time was, Scotty, you're a sinner. You're not good enough. You're not beloved. You're not one for whom Christ died. You're not a child of God because he's looking at his life and going, it's just as messed up as all these other people that I feel like the church is condemning. And many of you have associated church in this same way or You have someone in your life right now who won't come to church because they think all they're going to hear is Elijah. All they're going to see is Elijah. They're broken, and the church, if anything, has just broken them more. They associate the church with pain and heartache rather than mercy. They see in their life all the times that they can't measure up, and oftentimes they associate the church with that that it's the country club of the holy people. And your unchurched friends don't like church people because of this, or they even worse, they've never been offered a God they can love, um, let alone a God who will love sinners in all their sinfulness, who will actually love the people that hate him. That's crazy, right? Especially since usually we don't love the people that hate us. They know God, mostly just as Moses and Elijah. Maybe they're lucky and they know God in the transfigured Jesus, but he's up there on the mountain that you have to climb up, and they're just too tired of climbing. They don't want to climb up there to go up and get him. Part of the problem is is that they haven't been given the Paul Harvey gospel, the rest of the story, right? This is for a particular generation. Kids, there was this guy named Paul. I'll I'll explain it later. Um, So we already talked about Peter speaks, says stupid things. God has to show up, interrupt him, say, no. This is my beloved son. You listen to him. In other words, Peter, show up. Listen to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Their eyes are open and all they see is Jesus alone after seeing Moses and Elijah, which I still want to figure out, how'd they know is Moses and Elijah? Was it like neon signs pointing, name tags? I don't know. Um, and then verse 9, though, what happens? Jesus comes down the mountain. He doesn't stay on the mountaintop. This is the Jesus that Scotty needed. In all his brokenness, his addiction, his mental health crises, all of those things, he needed a Jesus that would come down the mountain, a down to earth Jesus, a Jesus that comes to us because we can't go to him. And then he makes, he puts an even bigger exclamation point on it because he tells the disciples, Don't tell anybody about what you've seen until I've died and risen again, saying, Everything else is secondary to the cross and the empty tomb. Don't give them a transfigured Jesus. Don't talk about Elijah and Moses. Offer them a crucified Jesus. We need a Jesus who actually forgives sins. A Jesus not on a mountain, but on a cross, who embraced the death of the condemned and the despised. Do you realize, this church, that that little bauble that you wear, those crosses... It was the form of execution for criminals and traitors. It wasn't some happy-go-lucky thing. He embraced it. A Jesus who actually gets dirtied by sin. We don't want to think about that, do we? The fact that he allows himself to be touched by the woman who's unclean for 12 years because she's been bleeding, and, and, and the society says you're unclean, and she just goes up and touches him. And instead of him turning around and saying, how dare you make me unclean? He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Or he's the one willing to not cleanse the leper and then touch them. Instead, he touches them first, making himself unclean, and then cleans them the one who's willing to get dirty in all of our sins, in all of our pain, in all of our struggles, who actually steps into all of our divisions, all of our anger, all of our hatred that we have for those people, and, and he says, no, it is finished. That all that stuff is done. All those sins, all that heartache is done. Well, I have to give you the Paul Harvey rest of... Scotty's story. Um, Scotty had gotten better. Rehab had been working. He'd gotten his life kind of put back together and everything. And um, July 24th, 2019, he was getting ready uh, to go to work, getting into the shower and everything. And I'm standing in my kitchen getting dinner ready. And I get a phone call. And it's from Hubbard County Dispatch uh, saying, hi, is this Pastor Carlton Smee? I said, Yep. He said, uh, Bob Lucan requests your presence at his house. His son, Scott, was found dead. Scotty had collapsed in the bathroom right before he got in the shower. Died of an enlarged heart. Imagine that. One who loved everybody. Needless to say, I hang up the phone, I look at Carrie, and I just go, I got to go, Scotty's dead. And I jump in the car. And I say the prayer that most of us pastors pray on the way to one of these calls. God help me not say anything stupid. And I walk in the house, and the shower's still running, and there is Scotty's body laying in the in the doorway because the coroner hadn't shown up yet. And I go into the backyard where Bob is sitting in one of his chairs, and he sees me and he just starts bawling. And I go up to him and he gives me the biggest hug I've ever received from a man in my entire life. And I sat with him, held his hand for two, three hours. Um, surrounded by Scotty's friends who were there. You want to know why they were there? Because they were on duty for the volunteer fire department that day. They actually had to show up and take the door of the bathroom off the hinges to get to their friend to check his vitals, because he had collapsed against the door and they couldn't open it. And so they took the door off the hinges. They had to check on their friend and find him dead. Um, And we sat and we cried and we talked. And the thing I take away from that, the funny thing is, those friends of Scotty's were part of the families that left the church and went to another church. Um, And Scotty's family was the one that stayed And I come back, I always hold on to that, I remember it like yesterday, I always hold on to that moment, because all the divisions in that town didn't matter anymore. None of it mattered. When Jesus was needed, he showed up in those boys, in those boys who, uh, for some of them based on their family, uh, they heard a lot about Moses and Elijah and very little about Jesus, and then I discover in them, they knew Jesus, they'd seen him. They knew exactly about this Jesus who shows up in the dirt and muck of life. Because mercy showed up where mercy was needed. And uh, it's interesting because politics and theology are good, uh, oftentimes. But in the end, uh, when Jesus and when mercy are needed, uh, all those things go away doesn't matter anymore. All those divisions, all those Elijah voices, all those images of God that we get in our head go away because somehow Jesus finds his way to come down the mountain and get himself mixed up in all of your dirt, all of your failings, because that's where he's needed. Church, we try to get things right, right? We try to uh, honor God, obey God, do what God says. What ends up coming to us in Jesus is his work to defeat all the things that get in the way of him. He works his way through divisions, through expectations, frailties, failings, and he doesn't come as the champion of a particular side, but as the embodiment of mercy given to you, given to me, given to your neighbor, your enemies. Um. I buried Scotty August 5th, 2019. It's actually his birthday today. It's his birthday today. He would have been 41. This is the biggest, one of the biggest funerals I've ever done. There's probably 500 people there from both congregations were there to honor Scotty. That's the Jesus we need of the transfiguration, the Jesus who comes down the mountain to step in with mercy where we've gotten so sucked into Moses and Elijah stuff. So, church, look to Christ today, because we're not beyond those divisions. All I have to do is ask you who you're voting for. Don't look at Moses or Elijah, because there you're not going to find very much mercy. Look to the beloved one, the one that comes down the mountain to purchase a people by his blood on the cross to lead, to save, to make new birth in you. Because that's what he has come to do in all of his work, in all of his glory, in all of the dirt. Thanks be to God. Amen.